0: All right. So if you guys were here with us last week, we started this prayer from Jesus. And we're going to be continuing on in this prayer. We're going to kind of be reading through all of it and we'll finish it next week. Um, But we're kind of going to get to the second part of this prayer. And, And this prayer, that's a pretty famous prayer from Jesus, kind of has three parts. And the first part we talked about last week is it's kind of where Jesus prayed specifically for himself. uh, and, and so we talked about what that meant as Jesus prayed for glory, he was praying for himself as he was about to go to the cross. The second part of the prayer is he focuses on his disciples, and he, he prays specifically for them. And then the last part of his prayer, he focuses on the world and everyone else that might come to know Jesus, might come to know God. So today we're going to focus on Jesus' prayer for the disciples. And uh, I, I first want to tell you guys about the disciples, because we've kind of been going through John for a while and we, we, Jesus has done all these things in the company of the disciples, but maybe some of you have forgotten about the disciples, who they are, kind of their characteristics, what they do, and I think it's important kind of to know the people that Jesus was praying for. So I just wanted to talk about a few disciples and kind of refresh our minds into who's in this group that's been walking through with Jesus for the past three years. So First guy is Peter. Uh, a lot of you guys know Peter. That's, that's probably the most famous disciple. Peter was a fisherman. Peter is known for like, not being able to keep his mouth shut. He always just says like, the worst things at the worst time. He's kind of like that kid in like, your class. Whenever the teacher asks a question, he's always raising his hand because he has to be the one to answer. But then, but then just imagine like every time he answers, he's wrong. And the, and the teacher's like, no, quit raising your hand, right? Like This is Peter. All right, but Peter's kind of like this goody two-shoes, kind of kiss-up, all right, wants to make Jesus happy and love him the most. Okay, that's Peter. Then uh, you got a guy like Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, uh, which means that everybody in the group doesn't like him. All right. So everyone just makes digs at Matthew, no one wants to walk near him, everyone gives him a mean face. I mean, Matthew's kind of the outcast. Matthew's also like the super analytical, he's introspective, he's always writing things down. He's like that guy in your group that like someone says something and then he's got to step in and he's like, uh, actually, no. Or like, actually, it's the, and it's like, dude, like, stop talking, all right? That's Matthew, all right? Then you get to a guy like Simon the Zealot. Some of you guys might know about Simon the Zealot, some of you may not, but all Simon the Zealot talks about is overthrowing Rome and going to war, okay? He always, like, everyone has to say, like, Simon, chill out, dude, like, we're not going to go and just attack people, all right? I know that's what you've been trained to do, that's what you want to do, you want to just go kill all the Romans, all right? Simon, chill, all right? Then you get guys like James and John, they're two brothers, all right, and James and John, they want to be Jesus' number one, but they know that Peter's kind of number one, and they're a little jealous, uh, and and so they're always trying to kind of grab Jesus' attention too. They're known as the sons of thunder, all right? They're like the guys that get a nickname from Jesus because they're super passionate, they're super loud, all right? And they're constantly, like Peter, trying to get Jesus' attention, and they're just often really intense. That's James and John. And then you got a guy like Thomas, and Thomas is always questioning things. All right, Jesus tells the disciples that he's leaving, Thomas pipes in, well, where? All right, or or Jesus says, you guys know the way, and Thomas pipes in and goes, well, how? All right, Or, or Jesus raises from the dead, and Thomas goes, what? All right, like, he's always asking questions. So I think about these disciples. You got Peter, the teacher's pet, Matthew, the oddball that no one likes, Simon, the guy that always wants to fight somebody, James and John, the guys that get a little too excited about everything. And then you got Thomas, the one that always has a question. And these are just a handful of the people that were known as Jesus's crew, his people. And this crew was handpicked by Jesus to carry out the mission of the gospel. This ragtag bunch of nobodies is going to carry out the mission of the gospel. Actually, I was thinking this week. This group of people actually makes me think of this group uh, from this movie. All right. When I when I think of the disciples, I think of these guys, which is really interesting. I like. Mike Wazowski is definitely Peter, alright, he just is, alright, and and Squishy is is definitely Thomas, and then you've got Sully. I think he's Simon the Zealot, alright, and it's James and John are like the two-headed guy, alright, I think it just like works out perfectly, right? But you get like this random group that is not really that important, and this is the group that's going to change the world. These disciples, this was the team. All right, all right. you can take the picture down now. Just a, little, just a little image for you guys. But this is the team. This was the play from Jesus. This was the group that he was going to send out to change the world. And you see, Jesus was always going to go to the cross. Jesus was always going to leave. He wasn't going to be here forever. And who's he going to entrust the mission of the gospel with? It's this group of guys that, to the world, seem like nobodies. But not to Jesus. And today, we're going to read about the prayer specifically for this group of people, specifically for this group. So go ahead and grab your Bibles, open up to John 17. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, which is verse 6. And as you guys are flipping there, the question really becomes, what does Jesus pray for when it comes to his closest group of followers? The guys he's been with almost every day for the past three years, what do you pray for for them? What's Jesus' heart for those that are really close to him? Those that choose to be a committed follower of Jesus, how might Jesus pray for those people? And that's going to be important for us today, because those of you in the room that that say you are a committed Christian, a a committed Christ follower, this prayer is for you. This prayer is for a disciple that's going to go out into the world and carry out the good news of Jesus. So let's read this today and see what we might find from Jesus and what we might learn. John 17, starting in verse 6, and we're going to go to verse 19, so it's a little bit, but hang with me, because it's all good. Jesus says, I've revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I passed on, on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world, but they're staying in the world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. He's talking about Judas there. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you God, to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. So make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can maybe be made holy by your truth. So there's kind of two big things that Jesus prays for when it comes to his group of followers who are going to carry out this mission of the gospel, who are going to be sent into the world to continue to tell people about Jesus even after Jesus is gone. These disciples are going to share the good news of Jesus so that for generations to come people will know about the God that came to earth and died for me and for you and for everyone. And there's kind of two big things that Jesus prays for that I want to take note of. The first thing that Jesus prays for, that I see a bunch in here, is he prays for protection. Jesus prays to God that he would protect his disciples when he goes away. The second thing that Jesus really prays for in this passage is he prays that God would make his disciples holy. He prays, God, would you Make them holy by your truth, by your word. So these are the two big things, to protect them and to make them holy. And so that's what I want to talk about today. That the heart of Jesus, for those that choose to follow him, that choose to be a disciple, for you and me that say, I am a Christian, I follow Jesus, I'm committed to him. I want to talk about that his prayer for you and for his disciples are protection and to be made holy. So first, let's talk about protection. We first see that word in verse 11. Okay, verse 11, Jesus says that he's departing the world and the di- disciples are staying in the world. And he says, Now protect them by what? By the power of your name, so what? So that they will be united just as we are. So notice first where the protection comes from. Protection doesn't come from other things in the world, protection doesn't come from knowing everything there is to know about Scripture. Protection doesn't come from these disciples daily, not sinning. No, protection for them comes from the name of the Lord. There's power in the name of the Lord. Jesus even says that I protected them. Me, Jesus, I protected them because, God, you gave me your name. You you sent me by your name to protect them. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And actually, all throughout Scripture, you see that the name of God has power. It has power to protect, power to heal, power to save. We don't necessarily kind of get that really anymore because back in Bible times, like they wouldn't even say the actual name of God. It was too holy. Now today we just use it in slang. We use it to say things when we're upset. We, it, it's kind of lost the holiness that really it does have, the power it does have. And Jesus being God had the same power from God. And so the name of Jesus has power. It has power to protect. It's why we sing songs in here about the name of Jesus, because it does. It has true power, power to protect. But now, why, why do these disciples need protection? Why do they need to be protected from the world? Well, Jesus says it here in this passage in verse 11 at the second part, so that I need them to have protection so that they will be what? United. They'll be united just as we are. Now listen in here. Jesus knows that one of the greatest threats to the mission of the gospel, never reaching people, is dis- his disciples being disunified. Not being in it together in this. Jesus knows if this group of guys does not stick together, if this group of guys does not encourage one another If this group of guys believes different things and aren't united under the truth of God, then this gospel isn't going to make it very far. This gospel isn't going to make it to you and me today if the disciples aren't protected from disunity. Jesus knows that this group of people is very different. It could be very easy for them not to get along. All right? No one likes Matthew. Peter's a goody two-shoes. James and John are so intense. Simon the Zealot always wants to kill someone, right? Right? This group of people might be really difficult to get along. So Jesus prays they would. Jesus prays that they would be unified in this mission, and that is to share the good news of Jesus. And let me tell you something, guys. As we think about a prayer for us as followers of Jesus, I think that's a conviction for us today. Because here's the thing. I want to get real with you all for a little bit. I don't know all of the drama in the room. I don't know all the disunity in the room. But I know there is some. I know there is beef in this room. I know there is drama. I know there is tension. Right? What if the greatest threat to the gospel being carried out by this ministry to this town is this group of people not getting along? Just think about that. If Jesus is praying protection for this group of guys to carry out the gospel, would we not want to pray protection for this ministry to be unified in this mission? If this is a group that doesn't get along, that isn't welcoming to every single person that comes in this place, if this is a group that consistently gossips and tears other people in this ministry down, the gospel's not going to make it very far. And let me tell you something, the devil knows it too. He wants to use disunity in this place, in our circles, to make sure that the love of Jesus does not spread. But let me tell you what Jesus wants for you guys. He wants unity. He wants you to be unified in this mission. Perhaps the greatest tool that Eastview Students High School ministry has to spread the good news of Jesus are these things. The greatest tool is how we welcome those who think differently and live differently than us. Is, is how this place, we squash clicks. We squash not including people, exclusivity. We're just kind to everyone. What if the greatest tool is how this group of people, we reconcile and we forgive when someone in the ministry hurts me or I hurt them? What if the greatest tool is that this is a place where we do not gossip at all? We refuse to talk negatively about anyone here. I hope that's a conviction today because let me tell you something, those things, that's irresistible because that's not like the rest of the world. That's not like a lot of your schools that you walk into. And let me tell you something, if a high school student walks in here and feels welcomed, feels loved, doesn't feel judged, doesn't feel like anyone's going to gossip about them, I'll tell you what, they'll come back because this is a place that we are different and we're unified. So, Maybe we need to start praying that for ourselves. That's what Jesus wants for us. The next time we see this idea of protection, if you you go down to verse 15, Jesus says this in verse 15. He says, I'm not asking you, God, to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Notice what Jesus doesn't pray over his disciples. He doesn't pray, God, would you just take them away from all the evil Would you get them out of the places that could be dangerous? Would you protect them from the world? Jesus even says in verse 14 right before this, he says the world hates them because they don't belong to the world. But he doesn't pray, hey, God, protect them from the world, protect them from the evil, protect them from those places. Why? Because to accomplish the mission of the gospel, they can't be shielded from the world. They've got to be right in it. You've got to be right in the midst of a broken world. And here's the thing, guys, the assumption that kind of creeps into our faith is that choosing to follow Jesus means that for some reason I'm entitled to, like, bad things shouldn't happen to me. Because, wait, Jesus is for me. Jesus loves me. So why is life still hard? Why am I still struggling with these thoughts in my head? Why am I still feeling lonely? If I'm going to follow Jesus, I, I, I would think that, that Jesus would protect me from the evil of the world. That's not a promise here that he prays. The protection that Jesus is praying is protection from the devil. Protection from the evil one. Because what does Satan want to do? He wants to get you out of the world. He wants he wants you to stick in a bubble and not spread the good news of Jesus. To get you out of the place where Satan rules. Sa- it says that, that Satan rules the world. He has dominion over the world. So Satan, he's like... That's a threat. i, I got to get them out. i got to close them off. So, so what is Satan's strategy? He's going to make sure that this world hates those that follow Jesus. He's going to make sure it's hard. So it should not come as a surprise, guys. When you follow Jesus, life is still hard. You still struggle with things. But here's the encouragement. Jesus knows this. That's why he prays for protection for them. It's not that he's sending them out to say, figure it out. He's saying, no, I, I'm going to pray for protection that when you go into a hostile world, the devil won't get in the way of what I want to do through you. That's the prayer for you guys. That's the prayer for you, that the name of Jesus, his power is protection against Satan and what he wants to do in your life. I want you guys to know that, that Satan doesn't stand a chance that the name of Jesus is Lord of your life. So are you asking God for protection from Satan? Satan. You should. Jesus prays that over us. The second thing I want to focus on is not just protection that Jesus prays, but the second thing he prays for his disciples, he prays for his followers, is he says, God, would you make them holy? Would you make them holy? Jesus says, these disciples, they're going to be made holy by God's word, his truth. Because Jesus knows when the disciples are going to be sent out into the world, they're going to be met with all of the truths of the world. And yet another obstacle that they're going to have to face, that they're going to walk into a world that proclaims truth, that proclaims the right way to live. But Jesus knows that's a lie. He knows that if the disciples get sucked into worldly things, there goes the holiness, there goes the separation, there goes the irresistible nature of the gospel. So what does Jesus do for his disciples? How does he ultimately pray holiness over them? He he actually actually doesn't just pray holiness over them. He does something about it. He does something to make them holy. And it's exactly what Jesus is going to do next. I want you to look at verse 19 for me. The very last part of this section where he prays for his disciples. How are these disciples going to be holy in a broken, sinful world? Verse 19. I will give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. He will give himself as a sacrifice. He knows. He knows his disciples, they're going to go into a broken world and they're going to be met with all the things that are completely separated from God. So he's going to offer himself as a holy sacrifice so that these disciples, even though they're a bunch of nobodies, even though these disciples, they're filthy with their own sin. Even though these disciples are going to go into the world and they're not going to get it perfect. They're going to mess up. No matter what. All of those things doesn't stop them from when God looks at these disciples, they're holy. They're set apart to carry out the good news of the gospel. Guys, if, in, if you're in this place today and you, and you feel like a misfit, like a disciple that's like, why am I here? Why Why would God want to use me, or, or maybe you're in here today, and you're sitting in here and you're like, "I am too messed up when 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 I shared about sins from this past week, I, I think I could write a whole book. Or if you're in here today and you just feel like you're just not good enough, you never measure up. You're by yourself. i don't I don't know. if you if you feel any of those things, I'm just here to tell you that that Jesus prays protection over you and he presents you as holy as set apart There's, there's nothing about you that changes how you look to God every time he looks at you it's that clean wash clean coat the perfection the righteousness of Jesus you have if you're in here today and and you want that? I just want to invite you to maybe consider taking that next step of baptism. That baptism's not this magical thing. That's not magical water. It's not this thing where you have to have your whole life together. It, baptism in Scripture is always this first step of saying, I, "I acknowledge I'm broken. I acknowledge that Jesus is God, and and I want to follow Him." And that's that's it. That you're ready. And I just want to invite you, if you want that, if you're, if you're done wearing that coat that's just drenched in your sin and, and you want to be presented as holy and set apart and protected from the world, I just want to invite you to make that decision today. I know a lot of you have. We've had a lot of those decisions this past year, and I, I know God's moving, but I know God still wants to do something in this ministry and in your lives. And so if you're thinking about baptism, I just want to invite you after service. Would you just go back to the cross? We'll have someone back there to talk with you to help that happen. We also, uh, during this time, as we kind of wrap this and put this all together, we kind of want to imitate Jesus this morning. And, and just as Jesus prayed for his close followers, we want to we pray for us as a ministry. We want to pray for you guys. We want to pray for us as a staff. We want to pray for everyone in this place for protection, for holiness, for Jesus to be lifted high, to, to change this town. We want to we pray that nothing gets in the way from this group of students spreading the gospel in this town, spreading the good news of Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to invite some students and my guy Dale up here too. All right. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time praying, praying for us, praying over you, praying protection, praying for holiness, for Jesus to be lifted high. And so uh, I want to just go ahead and invite you guys to lead us in some prayer. And then we're going to do one more song and we'll be out of here.